Hello, this is Sarah Pearson, Features Editor at the Concord Monitor, here with Granite Geek David Brooks to learn more about an article he wrote this week. Hello, Dave. And hello, Sarah. So, Dave, your column this week talks about an issue that's in the news a lot, pollution of groundwater by chemicals, but you're looking at it a little oddly. Uh, well, um, I guess it's better to look at things oddly than to look odd. <laughs> Anyways, you wanted to know how scientists decide what levels of pollution are safe, especially since we're talking about really, really tiny amounts. Really, 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 really tiny amounts. I mean, we're talking about parts per million, parts per billion, or parts per trillion, which is the measurement being used uh, in the case of the firefighting chemicals that are, being, that are found in the groundwater around the Pease Basin in southern New Hampshire. Yeah, it made me curious about how do you decide that, you know, so the state actually wants to lower, um, the thing that prodded my column was the state wants to lower the amount of arsenic that's allowable in water. Much of it is natural, but it's still arsenic uh, from uh, 10 parts per billion to 5 parts per billion. And I had to wonder, how, how do you decide what's safe and what isn't, particularly at, at levels like that? So I talked to Britton Goodale, who's a toxicologist, a scientist at the Geisel uh, School of Medicine at Dartmouth. And she sort of, sort of, sort of walked me through the process, which is as you would expect, uh, you know, non-trivial. Um, basically, they, they start with the assumption that if there's any evidence that a particular chemical, particular substance, can raise um, the likelihood of cancer, we're talking specifically about cancer, which is the one that comes out the most often, if they can raise the, the possibility of cancer by one case in a million over a human, for a human, uh, then that's the m level at which they will start to examine it, that dose. And so you start with that, which is kind of an arbitrary assumption. And then you factor in some other things depending on what the science shows and depending on what you may not know. You may uh, So, for example, one thing they do is almost always they immediately drop that by a factor of 10. They say this minimum dose, actually going to make it one-tenth of that level just because there's so much uncertainty. Then they might drop it by another factor of 10, depending on how the science has been worked out. Another factor of 10, depending on population characteristics. So it can easily, starting at that one in a million, can easily go to you know, one in a billion or more. So anyway, so it, it quickly gets very large numbers, meaning you know very small amounts. So one of the major complications is that you can experiment on humans. I guess it's bad to poison people. It's bad to poison people in the name of science. It is, uh, you know. It, on occasion, this has been done in the past, and that's you know a a blot on uh, scientific record, obviously. But um, so no, you can't you can't you know take a population. What you really like to do if you were developing an experiment is you take a, a random population of people and you'd randomly assign a half of them to get this or one tenth of them to get this toxin at this level, one tenth of them to get the toxin at that level, and so on and so forth, and one tenth of them to get no toxin. You'd watch them over five years to see what happens. Obviously, you can't do that. So you have to extrapolate from what you can do. And you can do animal studies. You can basically do what I just said, except do it to animals. But of course, animals aren't humans. And there is always a bit of error in deciding, you know, what causes cancer in a mouse? Does that mean it'll cause cancer in a human? Mm -hmm. You can do uh, laboratory, considerable laboratory studies to uh, human tissue or human cells, which is important. It shows you the mechanisms that are happening, but it doesn't tell you what, you know, the whole organism, the whole human being. 
And you can do um, epidemiological studies, which is where they go into a place that has been exposed to a chemical and try and determine whether the level of disease is unusual and whether they can be linked to that chemical. That's a, that's a complicated one. It involves getting histories. People move around and, you know, and there's just many statistical questions. But a combination of those three things is, is used. Uh, for chemicals in which we've gotten around to and there's literally tens of there's about 80,000 85,000 I believe chemicals that are on the uh, EPA's list of of those that are um, that are monitored uh, and tens of thousands of them have little or no good data about them or kind of just guessing so it sounds like there's like an element of guesswork in all of this yeah, or assumptions, yes. Uh, absolutely. I mean, this is it's, it's not like, you know, you can have an absolute truth from on high. You can say, you know, this this thing absolutely will not do harm except absolutely X, Y, Z to the hundredth decimal place. I mean, uh, th this is real life, and real life has some uncertainty, and this is a place where it comes. And you and I are to blame indirectly because you and I want all the products that industry creates we buy them we demand them we get mad if they're not around and you know the raw materials of these products are the things that are ending up polluting our environment so um, and if we're not willing to pay the cost or to put up the regulations or to do without in order to make sure that that doesn't happen then then this you know to a certain extent this is what happens so um, you know, we can point the fingers at a lot of places, but we also have to point them to ourselves. So. Well, thank you, Dave, or maybe I should say thanks to Trillion. All right. Always a pleasure. You can learn more about the water toxins at ConcordMonitor.com, and you can see all the Granite Geek columns and related stories at GraniteGeek.org. And you can subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher, Google Music, Podbean, or iTunes. The theme music is Little Smartphone People by The Spidekick.